Great. Here we are. Welcome to Stay in Touch with Jamie and Jake. If you're listening to this, you're probably bored. Or you're our mums. Did it! <laughs> uh, my mum's never bored, so that's that's good. You're either bored yeah. or a mum, but you can't be both. Yeah. Full-time job, that, innit? Yeah. Do you get bored anymore? I remember boredom being a thing and then not being bored anymore. Yeah, I don't think I have time to be bored anymore. She can only but, be yeah. a good thing, can't it? Yeah. Or, may, or I, me, maybe. I guess I feel like as as I get older, I have less time to... Mm. I mean, not necessarily less time, but I think that I have more of a feeling of, like, dread if I'm not doing anything. So yeah, it's hard to be bored, because instead of bored, I'm just having, like, an existential crisis. <laughs> I feel like that <sighs> might have come from, from uni. You remember being at uni and, and you're like, oh, I've got nothing to do. Oh, no, there's that essay. There must be an essay. But That's you true, know, that... No, yeah, that uni is like three years of of always something in the back of your mind. You never quite relax, do you? Mm. I always think now if I went back to uni, I'd do it like give myself a proper schedule and give myself time off and time on. And but you just you're trying to like maintain your social life, aren't you? And yeah, keep track of yourself and do your work. It's well, you try not to do your work as much as possible, <laughs> aren't you? Really, <laughs> trying to do do the best by doing the least. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to stay in touch. We're on episode two of the soft reboot version. Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones, we're on. Which is now on a popular streaming platform, Spotify. Whoa! How cool is that? It's the real deal now. That's legit. We're basically like Ben Schwartz or someone, aren't we? Yeah, we're basically Dax Shepard. Who's who's got the biggest podcast in the world? Has he? Like, no, that was a question. In my mind, definitely. Oh, who's got the biggest podcast in the world? Uh, does some does like um, Ricky Gervais? That was a big podcast, wasn't it? But that was like old. That's old school now, isn't it? That's like yeah, early days of of the podcast phenomenon. Joe Rogan's must be quite big, right? Joe Rogan. There we go. And actually, it's a good example because he just um, Spotify just acquired his podcast, didn't they? Ah, they're building a whole. That. Apparently, they're building a whole video component. Be, oh to, wow! Just, just to accommodate the podcast, yeah. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it, you, I think you're astute that that's probably the biggest podcast in the world. What has Spotify become? Come on, Spotify, you shill. You're, <laughs> you're audio don't... only, you, you sheep. <laughs> I don't really know what shill is. No, I... I think I, I think I googled it recently, but I've forgotten already. Shill. I, I, uh, my brain went to shell. I know what a shell is. Yeah. But uh but I don't know what a shill is. So we've, um, we are recently separated. Uh, we're, est- we're estranged now. We lived together, how long did we live together for? Two years? Was it less than that? Uh, I think, I think it was, we started in the first year of my master's. I think it was like two and a half years, right? Two and a half years, a long time. Yeah. Um, and now, thanks to the world having a bit of an episode, we we are now separated. And you've been living back at with your family for a mm-hmm. week. How's that? How's that been? Uh, it's actually been really nice. Oh, I uh, yeah, I didn't anticipate it to be super stressful. I thought it'd be a bit of an upset, but that was mainly the move. But I know some people feel a bit, you know, when, when this happens. I, you know, I get you know I get on really well with my family. I I have the blessing in this situation, I guess, of being an only child as well. So, mm. 
Um, so I don't have to, have to fight for for space as much with any siblings. So that's pretty good. Uh, it's been a it's been a stressful week uh, getting things tidied and sorting. It was nice to have all my possessions in one place to sort through all them. I've taken so much stuff to charity shops and that sort of thing, uh, which feels really good. Um, but I'm I'm not I'm not as I'm not feeling like oh great here I am in this horrible hell. Uh, it's not ideal, but um, but it's nice. It's nice. I'm back in the country as well. Um, went for a walk through the fields this morning, it's, which is just this. Feel very blessed to be so close to nature, you know. Mm. No, that's cool. I'm so glad. That's re- that's really good. I was I was worried that you'd. I, and like you say, I I, I recognise it's not ideal, but um, your um, your parents are great, so I'm glad that you've got good people to be stuck with. Absolutely. And uh, it's a good point you make about not fighting for space with your siblings. Like when I moved out to uni, my brother moved into my bedroom and ceremoniously burnt my bed in the back garden. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, an effigy no to my way. memory. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I actually, I like to say it was ceremonious, but um, ceremonial. I think he just did it to dispose of it. But um, yeah. But I like to think of it as, a, as an effigy, as a sacrifice. <laughs> so now if... Um, my mum's always telling me to come home and I'm like, what am I going to do? Move into the dining room, sleep under the table yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> while everyone's having their breakfast. Put a tent up. <laughs> How's I've it actually, been? Um, Sorry, you go. I've actually, uh, I did stay in a tent once um, at home when we got, we went on holiday for the weekend, um, me and my fiance and a couple of, of our friends. And we, um, I'll have told you this story obviously, but um um, my mate Chewie's car broke down at the beach on the second day, which was with a, like the day when we were supposed to like do all the stuff, and we just got stranded on this beach because his <laughs> his car broke down and wouldn't start. And it was it was either a Sunday or a bank holiday Monday or something, and it took all day for someone to oh, come out. No. So we eventually got towed. Um, well, yeah, the the car got towed, and we got driven to like a service station in the middle of nowhere. And then they were sending someone else to pick us up from there. And then that took a further, like, three hours and we were just stranded. And then oh, um, ruined. we were supposed to go because Chewie lives basically in the same village where my family lives. So he was supposed to drive us. We were supposed to go there and then he was going to drive us back to Hull the same day. And we right. got we got back to the village, you know, at, like, midnight or something. And we, I was like, obviously, you're not driving us home now. Um, well, I mean, he couldn't because his car was broken, but obviously, like, we wouldn't have made him anyway. So I got in touch with my mum beforehand, and she put a tent up in the back garden so that S- <laughs> Sydney and I could go home and sleep in the tent. That's so um, sweet. Yeah, it was nice. Um, she's also, um, I'm pretty sure one of the last times we went, we stayed in there in my mum's bedroom, and sh- they slept, like, on the floor in the living room or something. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It's just so out of order. Yeah. So out of order. Um How's it yeah, been Oh sorry. I was just gonna I was just gonna answer that question. It's Great. been an interesting week in your absence. I've got um I've got this story that I've been so excited to tell you. You won't you won't believe this and at the same time you, you also will. So Oh my gosh. So obviously this is technically um a student house, right? In in, yeah. in as much as our landlord owns this property and he deems it a student property so i technically rent a room um and not the house um 
so that's had all all kinds of complications and problems because in his eyes, he, you know, he just kind of sees the agreement differently, the arrangement differently to to what would be an ideal situation to me. Yeah. So, yeah. um, one of those things is that he can at any time move someone in because I he can rent. You know, if a student is interested in a room, they can move in, and I've you know to to a certain degree come to to come to terms with that. Um, and also, it's the kind of house I think where. I don't think like a second year, nineteen year old party student is going to move in. Um, so, I you know I have that fear, but I don't think that's very very realistic. But he um, sends me a message on Wednesday and he says someone's coming to look at the house on Friday, so I'm going to come sort Jamie's room out tomorrow. Right. And I was like, all oh, right, okay. So I've been sort of anxious um, about that, you know, to meet the person who probably is going to move in and thinking what's the what you know? What do I do? I was thinking about stepbrothers. You know, when the someone's looking, <laughs> looking at the they're selling the house and they like dress up as Nazis and stuff. Yeah. And I thought, do I do that? Do I you know sit and watch TV in my underwear when this person turns up or something? And <laughs> um, and I thought, why? I, I what I need to do is just lean into it and meet this person, and they're going to move in. So if we hit it off, we hit it off. I'll you know, I'm sure it's a nice person. I can make a really useful meaningful connection with and it'll be great yeah so it doesn't stop me being like nervous and anxious the whole time um so thursday um i can't even remember where i was so i i came home um i came home from being out and he'd said he was coming to tidy our room and also weed the garden right i came home and it became evident that what he'd done was clear out your room he'd vacuumed all the the carpets um, oh, wow. He cleaned cleaned the bathroom, um, and I was just like, "This is so we- this is so strange." This guy's like, <laughs> he, he, "It's so weird to come home and someone's cleaned your bathroom." It's like I've been I've been working my way through the house cleaning it since you've since you've gone. So I've like cleared out the living room and then cleaned the kitchen. And my bath the bathroom was my next stop, right? Um, but he's done it now for me the, now. So the dirty ones out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I came home and like the whole house smelled of bleach um, and whatever. Now, when we when we first moved in, because we were in a different house with him, and we had mm. like the run of the house, so you know we used all the rooms and whatever because nobody else was was there, and that that to me seemed reasonable. And yeah. then when we moved into this house, he you'll remember without any notice, he locked all the other bedrooms. So I yeah, had my bedroom, yeah. you had your bedroom, and I was like because we were I was used to being in a house where I, I had like two rooms worth of storage. I had all I had enough stuff for two rooms worth of storage, um, and I'd know where to put it. So I petitioned him, and you know I had to really ask him and kind of bargain with him to an extent to open one of the bedrooms so I could just put some boxes in there and some storage, some stuff that I wasn't using. Yeah. So he did he did that eventually in uh, you know around like February March, and then so the day that he's come to clear the room out and weed the garden and clean the bathroom and generally be a bit strange. Um, I get this text from him saying, "Hi Jake, there's loads of boxes in the middle bedroom. Would you mind move, uh, moving them before this guy comes? Um, I'll help you if you want. They can probably go in the shed." What? And I was like, "And I was like, I'm not replying to that because it's yeah. the it's the evening before. I don't think it's a pro like he, I he's I asked him I asked him for that and he you know he like yeah that was you've his, got an arrangement right yeah that was his choice to to do that." Um, so I didn't reply. I was like, I'm not, I haven't got, you know, it's already late in the day and I didn't want to do that and whatever. And I thought I'll just have this conversation with him when he turns up tomorrow. So he turns up 
and the the like the first basically the first thing he says to me is like, "Did you get a chance to look at those boxes?" And I was like, "Well, they're, they're in there because I asked you." And you know, and I just said it because I gave him the benefit of the doubt, and I'm thinking I've, he's probably forgotten that this was the you know I don't think yeah, what's yeah. going on in I don't think what's going on in my life is his main priority, and he's mm-hmm. retaining all that information. So I said to him, "Well, all the the boxes are in there because you you know I asked if I could have that room, and you said yes." And he was like, "Well, this guy wants to come look at the room," and I said, "Well, you can still see the room." Yeah, yeah. And he was like, yeah, but there's loads of boxes all over it. They're all, like, on the bed and stuff. And I said, well, I'm sure he can use his imagination and imagine what it looks like without the boxes there. And, yeah. he, was, he, and he was just like, do you think you can? Do you think? And in the end, I was just like, right, fine, I'll go do it. And I felt real. I felt oh, really mate. like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to feel like, it's, it's um, nice to have this to bounce off you, actually, because I don't know whether, like, I felt a bit entitled, and but, but I just felt mm. like, I, I felt like he should... I know he owns the house, but I I pay him for the the hashtag right or the privilege or whatever it is to be here, and I think yeah. that he shouldn't be able to come in and like start telling me what to do with with, yeah. with stuff, or at least be upfront about it and say, "Look, I know I said you can have that room, but yeah, I, I think that's always been an issue, right? That they was, was everything was a bit shady and a bit cloak and dagger, and rather than rather than just saying." Oh, can we do it this way? And being open about it, he tries to get what he wants by not really saying it. And it's a bit like, well, come on, let's just talk as as adults, you know. You're right. You're right. I agree with that. And that is that is kind of the problem. That I guess it what it's not just that one instance of him of what it felt like him being unreasonable. It's that I guess it's just another one of his like because you're right. He does do that. You'll just get a message where. He's not re- you know, he's kind of letting you know the bare minimum, and he's not really letting on yeah. what's, what's going on. And, and yeah, you're right; it was always a little bit close to the chest with him. Um, so I've gone and started stacking all these boxes, and uh, so then I came downstairs, and I've said, "So what's what's the deal with this guy? Then is he a student?" And he says, "No, no, it's a lecturer." And I was like, "Oh, that's interesting. I thought that yeah, be, yeah, that would be great. Like, I'd feel sorry for this lecturer moving in, having to hang out with." with me playing <laughs> playing Picross on the couch all day or whatever but um very cool for me to live with an academic yeah yeah he says yeah yeah it's a lecturer with a family what yeah and i go right what okay so i'm i'm like thinking well what does what does this mean is it this guy moving in with his with his partner and and a kid or or yeah, or what? yeah. and i'm just going to be like the weird upstairs lodger or what's what's the arrangement going to be here and i was just like i don't even know how to question that i don't even know what to how to respond so i just didn't and then the so this guy got here and they went upstairs first of all and then i thought oh i should i should really listen to him listen in on the conversation they're having yeah so so i just caught the tail end of a sentence and you know when we moved in he'd he decorated all the bedrooms Apart from mine, he just like for whatever reason didn't get round to doing mine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was like, okay, cool, thanks for that. Um, which obviously I, I wasn't bothered about, but I just thought it was a bit funny that he, decor- he decorated every bedroom. He didn't start he, the one he didn't get round to was the one that he actually had someone moving into. Yeah. Um, so he said, I heard what I thought I heard was the guy say was him was him say to the guy, so all these bedrooms are decorated. And I'm decorating this one once he's gone. That's what I thought I heard him say. Right. So I'm like, 
and and as well because what's happened is since you moved out i said to him you know i want to stay but i don't really know if you're going to move someone else in i might move out so what's the best you know what's the best you can do and it was his suggestion to say why don't we do it four weeks at a time yeah and i was like great perfect um you know I, i said to him as long as i can get some notice on if someone's moving in and he, he was like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course. But now I'm I'm wondering if, because we've got that four week at a time um, arrangement, does that mean mm. that he, he's going to be like, well, someone, you, you need to move after this yeah, four weeks because yeah. someone's moving in. So I genuinely, at this point, I don't know if I'm actually being turfed out of the house so that um, this lecturer and the family can move in. But it's just like the, it's just like my landlord to just do it it feels like it's just, you know, to, to yeah. do it like that. And it's funny that, it's just so funny that he he's like come and shown this guy around the house and never said, and then just left and not said to me like... Yeah, yeah, it's proper <laughs> shady, man. <laughs> oh my like, gosh. Right? But what to be honest, I was so, I'd been so anxious through the week about meeting what I thought was a student who I was going to have to live with. Yeah. That I just thought, I'm going to give myself the time now to... to relax now that that anxiety is over and deal with the next step soon so probably tomorrow i'm going to message him and say so what's going on Um, oh mate that's really naff though isn't it yeah it's real naff obviously the um the the good news about it is that i I have other options Mm. um with another landlord that obviously i'd been messaging and did go to look at a house um so i think you know worst case scenario i think i'm moving a few doors up which is fine but I want to do a similar thing to you. I want to have a clear out of all my stuff, and because it it happens like this, doesn't it? Moving from place yeah, to place, I'm yeah. not in a position yet where I I can or want to settle down anywhere. So it ju- this is just kind of the way it goes, just moving around all the time. So I kind of want to um, shed as much stuff as possible, so that when it comes when stuff like this happens and I'm moving again, it's like right, cool. I just pack my few boxes, and then it's not too much to to move. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's just a shame that there couldn't be more of an open communication, isn't it? And then everything would be easier. I feel like, but as as we know, it's not the not the way. Unfortunately, is it sometimes? So. Yeah, it's just all all my dealings with him has have been so strange always. I yeah, I think that like you know sometimes I've pushed, but it's I kind of see it like a business arrangement, and that comes mm. with a certain amount of negotiation and. I, and I, you know, I've if if you don't ask, you don't get. So I've always asked. That's always been my policy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's, you know, sometimes I do think he's conceded on stuff where he probably rather would not have. But um, you know, that's sort of been his choice to make. And yeah, and, and yeah. like I, like I say, I think there's, I I I I worry about. I run the risk of sounding entitled, but I feel like everybody deserves a living space, right? And everybody yeah, deserves absolutely. to feel safe and comfortable in that in that living space and i realized just recently that like i i find it difficult to relax because it feels like someone's going to walk in at any at any time mm. um and i feel a bit less like you know obviously because i mean last week he he came twice to clear stuff out and then someone came to view the house so like it, it, someone did um walk in anytime yeah, um, yeah so now i can worry a little bit less about that for the until you know next whatever but um <laughs> but yeah, oh, it was mate. just a funny. It was, it was, it was. Honestly, it was more funny than anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> just, it was just so funny. What a bizarre. So, yeah, experience. yeah it, it is bizarre. 
It is bizarre. Every everything with him is just bizarre. Yeah. So funny. So you were um you done anything well instead of it, instead of posing this as a question. So I went to um I went to the Bankside Gallery this week. Oh right. I've never, I've never actually gone down it and seen it. Um and there was a there's like a new mural on the side of a building in old is it in Old Town or on Anleby Road or something somewhere? Like as part of it. I, be, I bet you've seen pictures of it going around. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, and I thought it's about time I actually have a look at that. I've got, I've, I'm still, I've still got loads of like whole, uh, like imposter syndrome where I feel <laughs> really happy about being here and like, you know, telling people this is where I live, but I also still haven't like seen most of it. Um, I think like any student transplant, it's like I've seen all of Newland and been to St. Stephen's a couple of times to buy some jeans and that's yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I went down with, um, Callum, my friend Callum mm-hmm. and we ended up in the inner pub and I All thought right. this was, I thought this was, I thought I'd bring it up cause I haven't, um, been in a pub or in any sort of, sort of social environment since the lockdown started. Obviously it's been a few weeks now since pubs opened, but mm. I didn't, I haven't necessarily felt, um, comfortable going in but here's what happened man we were we walked so you go all the way on clough road and then you go down have you ever been have you been down i don't think so no so it's just basically like a route to town but there's loads of graffiti spaces um, oh cool so so there's you know sanctioned graffiti work or whatever um so so we were walking down this this really long road and you're just going through industrial estates. There's loads of engineering firms and like garages and stuff. It's it just feels like it's it's like the middle of nowhere. And the the it's just like you know warehouses and fields. And then you go alongside the river and stuff. And then all of a sudden, there's just just this pub in the side of a you know side of a bit of a building. It's called the Whalebone, and right. there's got a, there's a sign outside, and it says it's Cameras Pub of East Yorkshire. 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19. And we were looking Whoa. at it going, where's this, where's this pub come from all of a sudden that, you, that we've never heard of? Yeah, we're both yeah. massive, um, I mean, he's a re- Callum's a real beer lover. I'm a beer lover in that I, my favourite thing is to drink eight Carlsbergs and fall asleep. <laughs> but he's a beer lover in that, you, you know, and, and I like ale and stuff. I'm just not very knowledgeable. And it all kind of still tastes the same to me, you know. Um, but, he, but he's a real be a lover so i'm i'm sort of stood there thinking what's callum thinking does he want to go in i kind of want to go in yeah but i didn't want to i didn't want to s- say anything in case you went along with it and didn't feel comfortable so we were like oh that's cool that's cool and then we carried on walking and i thought i'll just put the feelers out and i said like oh wow i can't believe that pub's just there <laughs> you know? and he was like yeah yeah crazy crazy and i and i and then i said like oh man it feels so weird to just walk past and not go in when we you know and he was like well it's up to you man and i was like i guess we're going in this pub nice. to uh, to have a drink so we went in um and it was there's a couple of old boys sat talking about and this one this one guy was just like slamming on bojo all day Whoa, cool which was yeah it was cool to his mate um and there's um you know that story that I tell everyone all the time about being um doing a tech job at a theater when I was like eighteen and working with a stage manager who was like you know just a real like big beer lover um yeah and he and and they had that this 
uh, be a, a stout called 1872 Porter. And he oh, bought yeah. me lo- loads of pints. And it was like the first time I'd been like blackout, not remembered how I got home and then had to go to work <laughs> next day, super hungover. Yeah. They had they had that beer. Whoa! It's the only other time I've ever seen it. It's brewed in Elland, which is in Halifax. Right, right. Um, so it's you know just around the corner from from my family, and they had that beer in this random whalebone pub in the middle of the industrial estate <laughs> on Bankside. That's and crazy. I was like, this is awesome. So six and a half percent, four pound ten. Um, oh, that's Callum... that's a well good price, isn't it? That's it. Callum got a blonde. I paid, you know, I've paid seven summit for the for the round, and I just couldn't argue with that at all. Yeah, and this yeah. pub, this pub, mate, it was so good. It was real, you know, your oldie worldy pub, and they had pictures and relics and old beer tap, you know, um, signs. Well, I don't know what they're called, the signs they put on the beer taps, but yeah, yeah, they had loads of them. They had this huge, massive tub of crisps, and the 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 lady on the bar came around and said these are free because they've gone out of date so i was Whoa, you know, you i love them so yeah it was so good it was really like a really good and and the thing is that it was a thursday afternoon so we were like this is a pub in the middle of nowhere thursday afternoon there's gonna be no one in there let's go in for one be sensible whatever hand sanitizer in there um so yeah we felt pretty they were taking obviously taking names for track and trace yeah um so yeah we we felt pretty pretty comfortable it was all right i mean th- there was a point at the end of it where like this big group of people came in to meet each other which i was right. like what we do is everyone going out on a thursday in the middle of an industrial <laughs> yeah. estate 5 p.m <laughs> and there was this old guy that came in and everyone was going where do you want to sit where do you want to sit you know being careful and this old guy right. went i don't care where i sit i'll sit anywhere and i was like <laughs> oh god is the non-believers filing in which is fine yeah yeah um but you know we'd sort of finished so we wrapped up and and left but yeah, it was pretty good. For that a, sounds a, ace, man. Yeah, it's pretty comfortable. Good first step, eh? Yeah, yeah. And it feels like, if at the time it felt a bit like, oh, I'm definitely going to do this again. But actually, mm. now I've now I've done it. It feels a bit more more like I've satiated that desire for a bit. And I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Don't necessarily feel like I need to do it again for a while. Yeah. Oh, great! I'll next time I come up, we'll uh, we'll visit the whalebone. Yeah. And everyone in Hull, if you're listening to this, I don't even know like how you would fit into a night out or how you would go about going there. I think Just if get you were going down, yeah, I think it's like it's closer to Old Town than it is like Newland. So I mm. guess if you were going to Old Town, maybe you could stop at the Whalebone in your taxi or whatever, and then I think it probably took us about twenty minutes, half hour to walk to town from there. Right. It was a bit of a crazy day. Um, <laughs> Sounds but, it. Sounds ace. Yeah. yeah. And then that evening, I was meant to go around to um, to Callum's to have uh, smiley faces and watch the Babadook. Cool. But what ended up happening was I got really sunburnt. Oh, really? Um, beca- yeah, because we were we almost called it off. We were going to walk down Bankside and like I, I thought this is going to be like an all-dayer. It's gonna, we're going to walk all the way down and then to town and then probably back up. So I thought this is at least a few hours. Yeah, yeah. And it looked like it was going to rain. The forecast said 40, 50% chance of rain. So we also right. almost didn't go. We were like, do you know what? We'll just do it. And it was really, <laughs> really grey. Um, but it was also like 20 degrees. So by the time we got to town, I was like, it's quite it's quite warm actually. And I've been yeah, carrying yeah. my jacket around rather than wearing it. And then got home. And I, like I say, it was like a... 
we then, we then we walked all the way down there and then walked up um Springbank and then up Prinny Ave to get back to Newland up home. Mm-hmm. So it really was a long a long one. And then I eventually I was like, I think I'm I think I'm sunburned. <laughs> you look a bit red on your face. I am. It's the first. I think it's the yeah. first time since. And because um, when I came to see Ophelia at the Humber Street Sesh, oh, I got yeah. really bad. I really got really badly sunburned then. But I think it's the first time since I've shaved my head that I've got sunburn on right. on my head, which has been different. How does that feel? Not good. I yesterday I washed my head yesterday and then got out of the shower and as it was drying it started getting really badly itchy. Ooh. It was horrible. It was really yeah, that bad. doesn't sound good. Man. Get some aloe vera like, on that. Yeah, that's it. That's what I did. I've got some body lotion with aloe vera in it, so I nice, nice. Put it in. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. And then I like I was meant to go go back to Callum's, but I was just like I couldn't move on the couch. Yeah, I was just but so. You're so- <laughs> I was so definitely yeah, was. I was look. just so drained. I was like watching yeah. TV, but I couldn't even watch. I was just waiting to go to bed. Basically, it was horrible. I was it does so take tired. it out, you don't it? Especially when yeah. it's when it's warm. Anyway, I think it's hard to function. But yeah, when you get sunburned, yeah, and it was such a surprise. You know how usually when you start, you you can't. I can't usually I'm like, mm, I think I'm getting a bit burnt here. Like I feel quite hot. I yeah. just, just didn't feel that at all the whole day. Right, I, right. I was I was like warm, but it didn't feel like the sun was beating down. But sometimes when it's cloudy, it's worse that, for that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, because you just don't realise, do you? Yeah, I've had really, like as a kid, I've had really, I remember going to like an air show in Sunderland when I was a kid. And I don't know if I wasn't wearing sun cream, because it was just like, you know, it wasn't like a sunny day. It was totally overcast and then got home and I was just like, Ugh. really bad. I remember like, because I had a, my bathroom was like an ensuite in the attic, right? Um, in a dormer, so I had like a big window. So I, like, oh had yeah, a, I had like a blanket box in there, and and I just spent loads of time in the night because there was no way I was getting into bed trying to sleep. I was yeah. just like lying on this blanket box with the window open, <laughs> just trying to get like <laughs> as much fresh air on my body as possible. It's horrible. Oh bless you, mate. <laughs> horrible. Well, I too had a little trip to the old pub skeet this week. Tell me As about you that. well know, you received some <laughs> several videos after. Uh, I've got to be honest; I didn't see all of those videos. I'm really glad. I tried to watch the back, and I watched the first one. And I thought this is just going to be a <laughs> horrible nightmare. Uh, but, <laughs> but I, I felt a bit bad actually because we we'd spoke about going to the pub before, hadn't we? Yeah. Before I left, and I said to you, I don't think I really feel comfortable, um, mainly because I was seeing my mum after. Uh, and she's been shielding this whole time because she has asthma. But I said to her, I said, uh, basically my mate Josh from the band, despite the fact that I met him in Hull, he lives, or his, his parents live in Cherrywillingham, which is the village that I live in back near Lincoln, uh, and he's back here at the minute because he's uh, in the process of buying a house, so he's waiting for that to go through, so he's living with his parents. Uh, so we were like, oh, amazing that we're both here together. He said, do you want to go to the pub? Come on, let's go to the pub. And I was thinking, oh, well, do I, do I? I spoke to my mum and I said, look, how do you feel about this? Uh, how about I don't go in? And with it being a... There, there was a number of factors that made me feel okay about it. One was that I sat outside and it was really hot. Two was that in our little village, there's not going to be many people in there anyway. And 
and three was that it was a Tuesday afternoon, and I said, well, there's, there's not, it's not like a Friday night when people might, you know, there's, there's probably going to be all the lads in there or whoever. I don't know who all the lads are, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I said, yeah, Tuesday afternoon, we'll go, we'll sit outside. There was one table in there, one other table outside. It was really, really dead. Uh, same again, hand sanitizer all over, um, screens and all that up, and, and inside it looked pretty good table wise. Uh, and it was it was nice. It was nice. I was on the old Guinness. I thought if I'm going back to the pub, it has to be Guinness. Um, not worth it if it's not for a nice stout or a porter. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's got to be. You got to go all in, haven't you? For for that. That makes first sense. Pint. Yeah. Um, but you know, I feel similarly to you, mate. That. I don't. I'm not like. Oh, now I'm back. I want to go back again. I feel like. Oh, that was nice. Filled the gap for a bit. So, yeah, happy. Yeah, good. And thank God. Yeah, yeah. Last thing I'd want is to be walking away, either panicking or desperate to go back. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's. I think it's tricky because I've totally stopped, and maybe I ought to um, get back in touch with it. Um, but I haven't. I, I don't really pay attention to many of the guidelines because ever since February or March or whenever it was, I've just been at home. And I took mm. stay at home to heart because I think that was the safest, most sensible thing to do. I didn't really have anywhere to go or anything to do. Just went to the supermarket, been furloughed. And, you know, that's kind of kind of it, kind of enough. Yeah. Um, and now in this time where we're kind of trying to return to a sense of normalcy, which I don't at all begrudge anyone doing because it's had, um, you know, people have, companies have gone under and people have lost jobs and yeah, you've yeah. got to go back to work at some point, I guess, especially if the government, are, you know, I, I mean, obviously that's a complex issue. I don't know how much money the government's got to dole out to everyone and whatever. Um. But yeah, I was talking to Sydney about this last night and I think that I just said that, because like I want to start seeing my family and stuff again now, I, I I miss them, but it's just whether it's worth giving into those feelings or not mm, yet. Absolutely, um, yeah. I almost feel like, I think, you know, maybe call it a bit of a risk that I ended up going in the pub. It's probably better to take those risks like... I almost think it's it's better to just end up there mm. and be like, oh, I'm outside my comfort zone, rather than trying to push yourself out for for the, the wrong reasons. I guess. Yeah. If it if it just comes, it comes, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And I think that if, like eventually, like I started going around to Caleb's house and stuff to see him and Lucy because I was like, at some point, it's gonna like I don't trust the government anyway. I don't trust mm. the government's advice necessarily because there's so many u-turns so many inconsistencies that it doesn't really make sense to me everything that they're saying so i just i'm still kind of just taking it um you know whatever i'm comfortable with is kind of what i do yeah yeah um been wearing a mask from the beginning um as as have you um i tell you what uh was it last night night before last night night before can't remember um this is how time is now isn't it just, i've got <laughs> no idea of... yeah um but i got a takeaway either last night or the night before and the the, I, the the thing about masks is really i don't understand where the have we did we talk about this last time no we didn't did we We were just talked no. about music and stuff i don't know <laughs> i don't know where the, yeah <laughs> i don't know where the conversation about um masks 
not being. I don't know why people aren't gonna wear them. I don't know why yeah, people don't like it. Yeah, I know, it. mate. I I swear to God, my delivery driver dropped the dropped the bag off at the door. I opened it, and he's like, "Your takeaways there?" And I was like, "Oh, mate, thanks so much, thank you." And then he went, "Sorry about this," and he had a mask on. And he's like, mm. "Sorry about this. We got to wear these silly things now." And I was like, "I couldn't give the first shit about what you look like." Yeah, first yeah. Of all. Second of all, I was literally wearing my fiance's harem pants, man. I, I literally looked, you know, with like sunburn all over my head. I could not have looked more ridiculous. And this guy was like, I'm really sorry that I'm wearing this to protect you from a deadly virus that's yeah, killed yeah, yeah. millions of people around the world. I just, I just don't, I, I don't see where it's, where it's come from. Is I think, and that's the only thing I can think that that's what it, what it is, that people don't yeah. want to look silly. Well, I and think that's not the only thing, but I, I've seen a lot of people saying I've not seen a lot of people. Thankfully, not in my social circles. But you know, one of the big arguments seems to be like by in, enforcing me to wear a mask, you're removing my choice. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. Like, look at the society you live in. How much choice do you really have in in your life? Just take a minute. Just take a minute. Uh, what are they enforcing? Actually, is it to protect you? Yes. Is it to protect your loved ones? Yes. You know, people just get <laughs> stupid, don't they? That's like me saying, oh, well, uh, I've bought this nice television, but I'm not going to watch it because it's my choice. But, oh, God, just... <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that's, it's odd. It's odd. It's like, it makes me think of a, and I, to be fair, this isn't like a clever original thought. I think I saw it on Facebook, but it's like a seatbelt, isn't it? You wear mm. your seatbelt. Yeah. Um, and actually, I, can't, I, th- I feel like I remember a time where people didn't necessarily always wear their seatbelts. I think seatbelts weren't taken as seriously, even in my lifetime, as they are now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's funny, because I think sometimes I, if I listen to my instincts, I think that that might be a part of it that I think the first time I put my mask on I was like this feels really silly I look really silly um and I I'm a person who's you know gone through three years of a drama degree there's nothing more silly than that (laughs) there's nothing you know like I've I've kind of I've done um improvised musical theater training where you have to fail you have to get up and stand up in front of people that you admire and do it wrong and do it miserably. So I, I've had a lot of training and, and you know, med- been meditating for two years and trying to get rid of my ego's grasp on my sense of self. So I have mm-hmm. a lot of training in not worrying about feeling silly, um, which I've graduated to being able to wear my fiance's harem pants in front of takeaway delivery drivers. Um, <laughs> but I still, I, I put it on for the first time. I went to Lidl and was like, I feel a bit silly. I think I look a bit silly. And I reckon that that is, you know, if that, if that instinct is strong in in someone like me who has had to make come to terms with looking silly because I'm a silly looking guy anyway who <laughs> went bald at 16 and is about 5 foot 2 um if i feel silly wearing a mask then you know the vast majority of people who have tons of self esteem and think the world of themselves are going to really struggle to strap a, a a new strange thing over the face yeah I, I hopefully people will get more used to it as it becomes the new normal because the thing is is like everyone's going to be wearing one. I, I've sometimes felt a bit silly if I was in Lidl and you know like a few 
sort of like June time, people seem to stop wearing them as much. And so you, you'd look like the odd one out. But I think now everyone's wearing them. You're going to look the odd one out if you're... Well, you're going to look like a fool if you're paying £100 fine, aren't you? So Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I think it's for safety, isn't it? It's not... It's, yeah, uh, and it's not for your safety either. It's for everyone else's safety. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and maybe that's maybe that's the issue too, because we don't we don't we don't you know we don't tend to care as much about everyone else's safety as we do for our, for our own. Absolutely, which is just a, a consequence of the individualistic culture that we've you know cultivated over mm. centuries at this point. Um, I, I as well, like I think I still think that. I don't know. I just think the whole conversation about the dangers of the virus is still even being downplayed, still being underplayed. I don't know yeah. why I've never... I, I mean, I know I've just said that I stopped paying attention to the government briefings and the news and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, like, I feel like I learned things about the virus from, like, my dad who works in the medical sector yeah, that, yeah. that I never heard Boris Johnson or Chris Whitty or whoever say in the briefings, in, you know, in the first place. Um there was actually a video yesterday, was it? Um, went upon Sky News or BBC? It was BBC News. Um, that that you know they actually kind of got Boris to admit that we didn't do good enough. Yeah, yeah, I enough. saw that. Which is like, and I thought of you actually when I saw that because we talk a lot about accountability and how we'd have much more respect for politicians and people in general if they were able to put their hands up and say. Yeah, we didn't do with, we didn't deal with that very well, or mm-hmm. or even to say we're not exactly sure how to go about this, so we're just doing the best we can. And then it's funny because when he when he admitted that in that video, I was like, oh yeah, now he admits it. <laughs> yeah. So I just checked myself a little bit there, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's an inconsistency in 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 you know what I think I believe, and then what mm. what how it actually occurred. But at the same time, I feel like it's it's the back end of July. It's almost August, yeah. and. You know, lockdown started in March. It's a long time. It's a long time. You know, that says to me that there was a long period of time where they were like, we don't know what we're doing and we've probably mm. naffed this up already and just denied that and denied it and denied it and, you know, kept yeah. saying timing is important and we we have to take the right steps at the right time and and then blame it on care homes and, uh, <laughs> you know... So I've been playing some video games, Jamie Noel. Surprise, My God. surprise. Since the living room is, is all mine, I've uh, really abused that liberty. Is it your bud hole now? It's my bud hole now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, um, yeah. Sometimes I have people come to... They've. I did have someone the other day come around and inspect my bud hole, but uh-huh. apart from that, I'm uh, generally free to occupy my bud hole by myself, which is nice. nice. <laughs> and do whatever I want to it. Um, so, uh, yeah, The Last of Us 2 has been all over the news. And this isn't a video game podcast. And likely, you know, like you said, our mums, who are the people listening to this, don't don't have any reference probably for, for what we're talking about. Yeah. But I, but I just think it's, we talked a lot about um, art last week and I think it's a fun thing to talk about. And... The uh, the medium of video games as art is really I it, like Naughty Dog, who are the developer of this game, The Last of Us Two, which is the follow up to one of the most beloved video games of all time from the PS3 generation. Um, Naughty Dog are, are probably 
the foremost exponents of 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 the progression of the medium as art as mm. in storytelling and graphical fidelity and in realism um obviously there are other things like Ro- uh, rockstar doing grand theft auto and red dead redemption 2 and stuff um but in terms of the the breadth and the scope of naughty dog's career they've just been incredible and i think that because they are innovating so much i don't think that every, everybody who's who's played this game is quite ready and acclimated yet to the medium as a storytelling device mm. and the the really interesting the the main sort of the oh my i'm just obsessed with this game since i started playing it since i finished it i'm playing it again because it cause wow it, just, it, it warrants that um there's just so many points of, for discussion but i guess without all the context and also spoiling the events of the story what we can talk about is agency and identification mm. um and empathy with characters in media so what's happening in the last of us 2 is that people don't like what happens to one of the main characters who was the main character in the first game they also are forced forced in air quotes because nobody you know nobody's got a gun to head and making you press the buttons but you are forced to play as the game's antagonist and people didn't like that and at the end Again, I, I kind of don't want to spoil it in case someone does, who, unless my mum decides to buy a PS4 and, uh, and play Last of Us. Um, skip, skip ahead 20 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> um, but essentially, the, the, what is deemed to be the premise of the, of the story of the game is not concluded in a way that is deemed satisfactory by a lot of players at the end. And what happens oh, that at the end... that was very diplomatic. Now, to me, I think this game is a... I mean, I, I'm not the smartest guy in the world and I'm not an expert in story or in video games or in anything. I think this thing is is really, really a feat of of game development. And I also... Mm. I have a unique perspective on it because that inciting incident, that thing that happens to the, char- the main character of the first game, I actually didn't believe yeah. it. I didn't believe it was real. And that's partly mm. because of the marketing. They did like a MCU trailer thing where they showed stuff in the trailer that wasn't actually in the game so that they didn't spoil it they you know it's like misdirection but because nobody does that and again this is a a a symptom of innovation i was like nah it's not really happened and i was Mm. waiting for it to so it's so the inciting incident of the whole game hadn't actually happened in my head yeah so that gave me a weird wrong perspective about it um but what do you think about like it, it, it i always my my enjoyment of games always draws a parallel to how I think about theatre. Um, and I think that games are developed with the audience's perception and experience in mind in the same way that theatre and any, I guess, any medium. Uh, but because we know probably more about theatre than we do about lots of the other media. Mm-hmm. What do you think about... Um, what do you think about... Uh, about a piece of theatre that you might see where you don't identify or empathize with the characters and what is the what do you think is the the questions that we should be asking ourselves in terms of how we enjoy that that media and do you think there's something inherently is there something stopping us enjoying that media or should we be upset about with the creators of that media if we don't identify or we're angry with the people in it yeah what a what a great question um and I think 
I think we are in this um, scape now, a society of culture, where things are becoming progressively um, immersive. And I mean that in the sense of, for example, the MCU, something I know quite well, um, you know, the, the everything becomes so hyper-real because of the shots and because their attention to detail in terms of continuity and things like that. So uh, it's a lot easier for us as an audience to invest in the characters in a way that, for example, in if we watch Michael Keaton's Batman now, uh, because of the uh, barriers set by by film technology back then, you know, we can watch the dodgy dummy fall over and go, oh, yeah, you know, and that breaks breaks the uh, fourth wall, if you like, for us, you know, breaks the immersion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's really important that we as consumers are, are aware of that immersion. Um, I think we need to take responsibility of that. This is my, my opinion on it. Um, and I think that's something Naughty Dog have put a massive arrow on in our lives is going, hang on, what are you, uh, what, what are you immersing yourselves in? What are you buying into? Um, I looked a lot in my master's thesis. Here we go. Ha ha ha. Mr. Academic. But no, I, I looked in my master's thesis at similar topics, really, um, about how we buy into uh, and immerse ourselves into narratives. Um, and, you know, this it, it comes back to a, a big conversation we constantly have about how we as humans narrativize everything, don't we? Because it's easier for us to 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 uh, understand it all then. But I think um, I, I, the, there's a book, and I can't remember it now. This shows how good a, of an academic I am. <laughs> there's, a, there's a book about empathy. I think it's called The Empathy Complex or The Empathy Paradox. And it basically outlines the fact that empathy is... Uh, corrupt because it's bias and and I, as soon as I feel sorry for Jake sat in his house being sunburned and and, and in his harem pants I I immediately I cannot be feel uh, em, any empathy for anybody else because empathy is like a spotlight uh, and and in the book it, it uses charity as a great example of that you know as soon as I give three pounds to a certain cause my money's not going anywhere else and so it's bias immediately um not not to say that there isn't a place for empathy in our world but i think in our consumption of of media of that that kind we need to be really aware of that and we need to be you know how much control do we have over what these big filmmakers and these big game makers is that a thing uh, <laughs> is that what you'd say game creators you know how much control do we have over what they're putting in front of us you know and 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 who is controlling that and and i think it's it's important that we're constantly questioning that uh in order to stay in touch with ourselves oh i just said stay whoa, whoa come back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i didn't mean thanks to, yeah. for keeping us on brand i think that's such an interesting point that you've just made about empathy and about i, I think for it's. I was just saying this to Sydney last night that the older I get, and obviously still quite wet behind the ears, um, but that's just because you know I don't have any hair, so in the shower I just mostly <laughs> wet in my ears. Um, but um, 
I think we deal in, like the Sith, we deal in absolutes where if you mm. empathize with a certain person or a certain group of people, then it means that you can't empathize also with a different, maybe opposing group or opposing group of people. And that for me is really the the arrow that the game's pointing at, as you say, is that you, you can empathize with someone without advocating for what they might do or believe Mm. um i think underneath everything what we have to try and remember is that we're dealing with human beings who are other human beings if you think about like how 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 much i've changed my own mind and my own life and then how much i've like acted on things contrary to what i actually believe Mm. and how much of that says how much of that is indicative of who i am as a person and how much of it should i be pulled up on how much of it do i need intervention from other people about and do you know what i mean like it's so i'm such a complex network of yeah things that i believe but i also i believe things like my i have lots of family members that believe different things to to what i believe but it doesn't stop me being utterly in love and enamored by them still you know and and i think that that's the same with that should be the same with all human beings across the board, you know? And yeah, um, I think everybody, I, and again, I, I want to make more generalized, like sweeping broad statements on this podcast, because I think that's the only, it, you know, I, the only way you kind of write your manifesto. Um, otherwise you just go around in circles. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think generally speaking, like the last of us, um, the last of us thing calls into question the player's own humanity because of who and what you root for. And actually, mm. I think the the point that that the game maybe tries to make... I mean, first of all, I think the game is making no judgment on any of the characters or the players, which I mm. think is, a, you know, the, I think a lot of people feel like they're trying to make the player, oh, they're trying to make you feel bad for doing this, or they're trying to make you feel, you know, you didn't have any choice over doing this, but then you're supposed to feel bad about it later. Well, I think, first of all, the game isn't making any judgment on the player or the character. Second yeah. of all, I don't think that they're actually, I don't know, I, I, I think it's just interesting why when when playing video games, we identify with, I did this and I did that. Because I think sometimes, yeah, it feels like that. But in The Last of Us, I don't really think it feels like that to me. I don't. I don't really feel like I did. You know, stab a dog. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, th- I. I mean, I. I feel like I was subjected to see that image. But mm. I don't think I was in- encouraged to feel like I'd done it. Yeah. But anyway, that's a kind of a, a bit of a digression. But I, like I say, I think the point that the game is making is that, like, be careful who you root for in this yeah. world, and be careful of idealizing those people or organizations or groups or whoever they are because ultimately under the surface nobody is nobody is as virtuous and as pristine as you would want them to be and i am not as virtuous and pristine as i as as you would like me to be and you know um and i think that like lots of people get to the end of the game and they root for the protagonist to do this awful, awful thing because they yeah. see it. We see it as justified because somebody else did that same awful thing to them. And I just think that's a very, very strange way of thinking that somebody yeah. did something horrible to me, so I'm justified in doing that back to them. And that, I, do you know what I mean? If if this were me and you, someone did something horrible to me, and I said I'm going to do a horrible thing to them, yeah, then that would mean that you would be rooting for me. 
and that if I decided not to do that horrible thing, you would be disappointed in me. Where yeah, actually, yeah. I think what would be more realistic and what I would hope for everyone in the world is that I would see the error of my ways, I would recognise the shared humanity in me and this other person and think, yeah, this is horrible, but the only thing I can do is move on from it. And not to call into question the process of justice, which is very, very complicated. Mm. Um, But, and I mean, even there, I think I have a different perspective on justice than a a lot of people probably would have. Yeah. Um, But I just, yeah, it really does. You're right. It really calls into question the nature of empathy and, it makes me think of uh, there's a Tim Minchin song called "The Fence," right. and he and he um, sort of describes all of these historical figures and movements, and then kind of says, mm, "Yeah, but they also did this thing that's a little bit dodgy, didn't they?" Mm. And I was listening to Dax Shepard's podcast the other day, and, and he was saying that we're in an age where we just we just we will just get rid of artists or public figures, whoever they are, if they've done bad stuff. Yeah. And I, I totally advocate for that. I do think I advocate for that where it's necessary. I think there's enough art and enough interesting and unique perspectives in the world that we can we can afford not to provide a platform to everyone, um, especially if they've you know done something untoward that, that needs stamping out, shall we say, yeah, at yeah. risk of sounding like a censorship advocate. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I think it's a complex idea is that, you know, am I now do am I not allowed to identify with that thing? Or if I do identify yeah, yeah. with that thing, am I advocating for that behaviour? Or I just think all of these things are so dense and complex and this like uh, tendency we have to align things in terms of absolution. Yeah, yeah. It is just it's it's short sighted, isn't it? Yeah. I think empathy is often used as leverage to pit people against each other, you know, to mm. To, to prevent them from doing something else, you know. Uh, I don't really know what that might be. I don't want to comment on that. Um, and again, that's that comes down to seeing the humanity in each other and going, actually, what's a constructive path to move forward? Because while we're, while we're divided, we can't move forward, you know. Mm. Wow, that was, that was some deep stuff that sounded <laughs> a bit... We, yeah, we've got pretty deep here. So I don't really know. I don't even really know what point I'm making. I guess I just I, I just I guess I just wanted to acknowledge. Yeah, and I think it, rightly so. Yeah, I think I just want to acknowledge that where we might call into question the principle of complexity, that is, I think it's quite easy for that for us then to be linked to advocating for people like, I don't know, like, like if I say that. Um, what Louis C.K. did was very wrong, but I still like his stand-up. Then mm. it's 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 quite easy then for for anyone to view that opinion and link it to, you know, me advocating for Louis C.K. and actually not being yeah. very upset about what he did. And I, I get if I'm going to use it as an example, I haven't watched any Louis C.K. stuff. I was really I was actually really weird because <laughs> around the time that he that it came out that he'd done what he's what he'd done. I was mm. like getting into him around that time. That's when Sydney was like introducing me to him. But but I didn't. Um, I've not watched any of his stuff since. So I mean, if, yeah. if I if I have to be that example or do you know spout that example, I can because I have been. I have I, and I, I generally speaking, I do. Um, when I you know you hear that someone you admire or an artist you're into has done something, I do kind of go, ah man, I kind of wish you hadn't done that because I really like mm. the thing that you make. But but yeah. I'm but I'm less willing to 
to go back to it because I, th- I, in a certain sense, I do think that the the, um, the the grief and the social trauma that certain people like that cause is um, it's not worth putting ourselves through just to you know enjoy yeah. the song or the TV show or the movie or what you know whatever it is. I think it's but but that's what art you know art is for um, appraising these complex ideas. Um, so that's not to say that, you know, we won't be able to make any art that actually talks about anything. And that's just not true. Like, yeah, yeah. um, problematic people can make good art. Good people can make problematic art. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> probably said enough. Yeah. You made some great points there, though, man. I'm impressed. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> We've done going on like 65, 70 minutes, it looks like, and I kind of need a wee. Um, Me too. So, yeah. So maybe um, maybe there's a couple of things I'd like to chat to you about when we finish the recording. So maybe we stop and then uh, just chat for a few minutes before. Sounds great. Yeah, is that cool? That's cool with me, mate. All right, great, cool. Well, thanks for listening to us. Thanks for bearing with us while we find our feet on this thing, both technologically and uh, in terms of <laughs> format we've never recorded anything together let alone recorded anything over a, a you know over zoom with z- literally zero preparation we both of these episodes we haven't had any prior discussion about what we're going to talk about so we're just sorry that if it, good <laughs> <laughs> sorry if it gets a bit um in the weeds about something sorry if the topics are, and obviously there's no theme to this podcast either so sorry if we talk from week to week about boring stuff that you're not interested in and we'll we'll do our best to try and be as um as entertaining and as relevant to hopefully everyone's experience as possible and not Woo-hoo. just talk about the last of us two and the <laughs> complex of representity uh, represent that's not even a word <laughs> you meant to say complexities of representation i don't know what i, I was trying to say yeah yeah the <laughs> politics and representation in media etc um we do like to talk about these deep things right so yeah we expect more of that um and also i probably talked over jamie and talked more than he did and that's just again a, if he was in the room i could feel i could feel your energy more you know and i'd know when you yeah respond and had something to say so do interrupt i should have said this an hour ago obviously but do just interrupt me when you've got yeah thanks to say, <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool i will all right, this is Stay In Touch. You can still find us on Facebook, which I think is facebook.com slash stay in touch or, or whatever. But yeah. all of the social media handles, which I don't use, are at stay in touch show. Um, yeah, and thanks for thanks for listening. Tell your friends and think your auntie would like this too, don't you think? Mm-hmm. I think everyone's auntie will be... They won't be anti-stay in touch. They'll be pro-stay in touch. Anti-pro stay in touch. <laughs> <laughs> alright man I love you thanks for this love you lots see you next week see you next week <laughs> I just winked <laughs> 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 <laughs>